Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Good morning, River Rock. Hey, if you're a guest, well, thanks for watching. And we hope that this message would help you take your next step closer to Jesus. Let's open it up with some prayer. Father, we just thank you for your goodness and your grace. Lord, would you come and fill us with your presence? Come, Holy Spirit. Give us, Father, the ears to hear what you would want us to hear. We pray, Father, your will, your way, in Jesus' holy name. Amen. You know, there's no ignoring the obvious. So many folks are, are just struggling. There's cabin fever, dealing with the kids. There's all sorts of pressures, work, no work. How are we going to make this happen? And the truth is that some people are, are so overwhelmed by things, they don't know what to do and they don't know what not to do. There's a sense of paralysis. And fear can have that effect on all of us. And many times it does. And speaking of fear, have you noticed that there's been a lot of talk of faith and fear or choosing faith over fear? So what, is, what does that look like? Is it wishful thinking? Is it positive thinking? For, for a lot of folks, it's just, I'm going to have confidence that at the end it's just all going to work out. But for the, the Christian... For those of faith, <laughs> it's a lot more than that. It's more than just putting on a smile and say, keep your chin up. Child of God, you'll be fine. You see, according to Jesus, there is a fear that is actually a version of faith. Now, I get it for some of you are looking at me kind of strange. I, I know what it says. Fear not, 365, 366, depending on which version you're reading. And I get that. So you're asking, how can fear be a version of faith? But the Bible also speaks about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Folks, there's more than one kind of fear. As believers, we're to have faith in God and we're to have the fear of the Lord. It, it's one coin with two sides to it. Faith and fear of the Lord. Jesus illustrated this to His disciples when they were in a very serious and a very dangerous life-threatening situation. But many of you are familiar with this story, but I wonder how many of us are not catching what Jesus is actually trying to say to his disciples in that moment. So here in the, in the Gospel of Mark in chapter 4, we find this story. Now a little backstory in chapter 3, we, we find that Jesus had spent the whole day preaching to the masses and preaching only in, through parables. I imagine that he was probably hungry and tired and just wanted to get to the other side of the lake and, and there get some rest and, and some chow. So it says here in verse 35, let's read this. 
As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. 37. But now a fierce storm came up. Isn't that familiar? Out of nowhere, we have a global pandemic. High waves were breaking onto the boat, and it began to fill with water. See, this storm quickly just came upon them. And I'm sure they could swim, but there was no way that they were going to swim through this tempest, through this storm. And it's really telling when the verse here says, and it began to fill with water. All boats get water inside the boat. That's not the problem. Because typically you get a pail and you grab the water and you throw it overboard and you're fine. The problem comes and it becomes very serious when there's more water coming in than you can bail out. Now it's dangerous. And so now they're getting, well, pretty concerned. And this is what they say. Verse 38, we find Jesus was sleeping. Huh. He's sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up, shouting. Can you, can you not feel the, the fear and the panic? And they're shouting. Teacher, they're shouting, Rabbi, don't you care that we're going to drown? Oh, come on, folks. I mean, this is kind of a silly question. He's in the boat with them. Do you think he wants to drown? I don't think so. It's the fear speaking, right? That I'm scared. Well, it's understandable why they were. They were afraid because there was something to be afraid of. This was life-threatening. And perhaps, perhaps that's what you're thinking. God, don't you care if I drown? God, this is a pandemic. God, don't you care if I can't pay my bills? God, don't you care if I can't keep my job? Don't you care that I lost my job? God, don't you care if, if I can recover from everything that I've lost? God, don't you care how this is impacting my kids and my marriage? Don't you care if, if I don't ever get to go back to school? If I can't get married? If I can stay married? Oh God, I'm drowning here. Don't you care? Don't you see we're just like the disciples? With all the same human realities and fears that they had, we have. We're facing a different storm, but we're facing a storm. Verse 39. When Jesus woke up, whoo, He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you catch this? Jesus gets up, and He's going to have a conversation, a one-way conversation, with the wind and the waves, he's going to talk to nature, and nature is going to listen. And he says, 
to nature, to the wind, to the waves. Silence, be still. I'm reminded as a kid, we would be in the back of dad's vehicle and in his car, and you know, we're all horsing around and doing stuff we shouldn't be doing. And all of a sudden, you would hear dad yell out, Be quiet! And nobody move! And we would all just line right up. It's, it's because my dad had all the authority. He could tell us what to do. Just as Jesus spoke to nature because he has the authority and it had to obey. Suddenly, suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Verse 40, then he asked, he asked them, why are you afraid? I like how the New King James and the NIV says it. They say, why are you so fearful? You see, this seems like a bit of a silly question from Jesus when you think about, I mean, this is a widow maker of a storm. And you're asking me, why am I so fearful? Well, it's the next question that begins to kind of clarify where Jesus is going. He says, do you still have no faith? It's as though Jesus is implying. He says, listen, you've been with me all this time. And, and you've seen the miracles. You've seen the healings. You, you've seen me raise the dead. You, you, wait a minute. After all we've experienced, don't you have any faith? Wow. I mean, Jesus could have added this. He could have said, I see what's going on here. You guys have placed all your faith into this storm. As though if that storm is going to determine your future and your destiny, and you're doing that over me. Wow. Verse 41. Now catch this. The disciples were absolutely terrified. What? The storm is calm. There's no wind. There's no waves. It's still. It's quiet. And they are, are absolutely terrified. They are now more fearful than when they were in the storm. They are more terrified now after and through the storm. What's going on? You see, they are beginning to recognize that they were fearing something that is not to be as feared as Jesus. You see, they turned to each other and they asked each other this, Who is this man? They asked each other, even the wind and the waves obey him. Do you know what the disciples? Do you notice that they were not relieved that the storm was over? It's because they had misplaced their fear on a storm. When they needed to take 
all of that trust on the storm that they were placing in, and which was their demise, and placing it into the one who held their true future. And now they were asking themselves a question they should have been asking all along that you and I should be asking every day. Who is this man? Who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? Who is this man that no storm can ignore, that every storm must bow and listen to every word spoken from Jesus? Who is this man? Child of God, He is the Son of God. He's all-powerful. He cares for you. He's the one who loves you. And He's almighty. And He's in the boat with you. If you're going to be in a storm, you want Jesus in the boat. It's in that moment that they began to realize that what they were fearing, what they were actually trusting, was in the wrong thing. You see, fear, in many ways, is a belief. It's a trust in something or in someone that has the power to determine your future or your end. See, later Jesus would tell His disciples, He would say, guys, don't be afraid of those who can kill the body they can't do anything else to you he's implying that there is still something else that could happen in the eternal realm life ever lasting in other words fear not and not not because there's nothing to be afraid of fear not because well, sometimes we say, oh, let's just not fear not because it's all just going to work out in the end. No, it's fear not because Jesus is saying, because I care for you. I'm with you. I believe God the Father would say, if you're going to fear something, then you need to have the fear of the Lord. He's the one who holds my future. And he holds yours. So the moral of this story of the storm and the disciples in Jesus is that, is that the fear of the Lord and faith in the Lord are the two sides of a single coin. So will we put our faith in this pandemic? Will we trust this pandemic to determine our futures over who God is and who He has destined us to be? Have we inadvertently placed our confidence into a virus over God who can heal every disease? I mean, it sounds kind of funny when we hear it like that. But that's the point that Jesus is trying to make with His disciples and with us. The storm was real, and it was scary. But Jesus is saying, I am close to you. I'm in the boat with you. You can trust me.
So when Jesus says, why are you so afraid, Marvin? Actually, you could restate that phrase to say, why are you trusting in the storm to determine your future and not trusting in me, Marvin? Now, it took a while, but the disciples all got there. They figured out the fear of the Lord and faith in God. And now Jesus has died on the cross, He's risen from the dead, and He's ascended to the Father. And Acts chapter 2 has happened, and the, the disciples are all filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Life is different. And in Acts chapter 3, we find that Peter and John, they go to the temple for a prayer meeting. And there, well, they see this crippled guy. The Bible says he's around 40. And literally... They go, you know what, silver and gold we don't have, but what we have we give to you. Rise and walk. They literally brought the power and the healing of Jesus Christ. And this guy's, his, his crippled legs, his lame legs, they all straightened up with strength. And literally he's jumping and leaping and praising God. Everybody was blown away. And then they start preaching about the resurrection of Jesus. Well, the leadership around the temple was not happy. The high priest wasn't happy, and all of his allies were not happy. And this is where we pick up, in Acts chapter 4, this reality. Verse 1. The priests and the captain of the temple guard. So you have the priests, and you have the police. And the Sadducees came to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. Verse 2. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John. That means they arrested him, them. Because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. Let's go down to verse 7. They had Peter and John and brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Now, now can you feel the intimidation? Can, can you feel the power of the elites in this room? And Peter and John had every reason to believe that their life was over. That just like it was just a little while ago, Jesus, when he stood before the high priest and all these same people, he was executed within hours. They, they had to understand this was going to be their lot too. But they had learned the lesson of the storm. And they were not going to be intimidated by the storm of pain that this high priest, this judge, and all these allies represented. They were going to face the storm with the understanding that Jesus is in their boat. They were now filled with the Holy Spirit. And they saw things differently. They were no longer filled with fear. And the high priests and all their allies, they automatically assumed that Peter and John were going to come in all sheepish and, and oh, yes sir, okay sir. But they weren't even rebellious, and they weren't sheepish. They stood boldly for the name of Jesus Christ. And this is what they said. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, 
rulers and elders of the people. I mean, this is like a declaration. If we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, <laughs> then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. I mean, what boldness. He turns it around. He puts them on trial for murdering Jesus. Now the high priest, high priest is the judge, was astonished by Peter and, and John and their boldness and their courage in the middle of this storm that was threatening their life. That's what they were. See, they're the working class. He's a fisherman, Peter. He's blue collar. He walks into this space. It's intimidating. But it wasn't to Jesus, and it wasn't to Peter, and it wasn't to John. Verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, <laughs> They were astonished. Why? You know why they were astonished? Because everybody who had been arrested and everybody who was brought before the Sanhedrin, everybody who was brought before the high priest was always full of terror and fear. But these guys weren't. And why? Because they noted something. They were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They were astonished because Jesus was still having an impact and an influence on the life of these men. And they clearly saw it. So, as we close, it might feel like God doesn't care. But the good news is He does and it means that every night that you go to bed and you try to go to sleep, you can have the confidence that Jesus is in your boat and that no matter how big the storm is that you're facing in life right now, Jesus is bigger and more powerful than any storm. All He has to do is to speak and say to the wind and say to the waves, be still and be silent. And it will. Jesus promises you. He promises me. He promises your family that He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Even when the wind and the waves are strong and big, He is all-powerful and mightier than any storm. So fear not. Not because there's nothing to be afraid of. Fear not because there is someone to fear, someone to have faith in, someone to have trust in even more than the storm. One who loves you too much to abandon you. 
Someone whose grace and mercy is more than sufficient for you. He's the captain of your soul. So let's be reminded of Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. It says this, Let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. Hey, my hope is that we too would learn the lesson of the storm. That we would understand what it is to have faith in God in a storm and to have the fear of the Lord in the storm. That He's with us. He's for us. He's in the boat. I'm... I know what it's like to go through hard times, and obviously you do too. But folks, don't go it alone. We need to reach out to the Lord. I I know it's kind of awkward. If I had the opportunity, I would open up the altar and I would have everybody come forward. We would lay hands and we would pray for you guys. So here's our step. This is what it's going to look like. It's an extra step. Get on the website. Get that little prayer tab and leave us a note. Leave us a prayer request. Leave us your name. We'll contact you. We are going to pray for you as though if we were at the altar. I want you to know, we cannot lose heart. Greater is he that's in us than whatever the storm is out there. So, As we close, we're going to close with a a doxology by Carrie Job and by Cody Kearns. And I just want you to know, you are loved. Let me close this out in some prayer. So Father God, I just pray for each and every person who's watching this. Lord, help us to have faith in God during this storm. Help us to have the fear of the Lord that greater is He in us than He that's in that than this storm that's trying to take us out. Oh, Father God, I pray blessing on your people. I pray miraculous provision on your people, body, soul, and spirit. Provide for them the monies they need, the food they need, the jobs they need. God, help them. Help them with their families, with their kids and their marriages. Oh God, give them hope. No storm shall prevail. Oh Jesus, I pray. So may the Lord bless thee and may the Lord keep thee. In His holy name, Amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.